Welcome to Romans Untangled, the podcast where we take a seemingly difficult book of the Bible and untangle it so that we can enjoy its beauty. Season 4, Episode 5, Fulfilling the Law that Has Already Been Fulfilled, Romans 13, 8 to 15. In this episode of Romans Untangled, we will look at fulfilling the law in our lives in a way that does not mean we get right with God, but we do it because we are already right with God, living out in the new way of the Spirit as opposed to the old way of the code. And yet, this is actually what the law desires for us. Pastor Steve Treichler, Hope Community Church, I hope you're doing well. If it's morning where you're at right now, like it is here, and I've got my cup of coffee going, good morning to you. If it's evening, good evening to you, and if it's somewhere in the rest, good day, then I guess we would say. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. I have thoroughly enjoyed putting these podcasts together, and as I'm counting down to the end, it is coming. Uh, it makes me a little sad at times, too, but excited to be of going through this wonderful book together. All right, let's take a look at this passage. Let's dive right in. It's an amazing passage. I'm going to read it, and then we'll talk about it, kind of walk it through, because there's just so much in it. So if you have your Bible with you, and you're not driving, uh, Romans 13, 8 to 15, uh, 8 to, let's me 8 to 15, I think is what I'm looking at here, 8 to 14, excuse me. Yes, 8 to 14 is our passage for today. I've got different things written in different places, but it's 8 to 14. So, uh, Romans 13, 8 to 14. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, verse 11 says, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Great passage. <clears throat> really could have been two podcasts as I was uh, dividing this up. I just thought, well, I think we'll go with one. Uh, and there is kind of two different themes here. They both follow kind of this list of Paul's telling us ways to live now in uh, the in the end of chapter 12 and in the beginning of chapter 13. If you remember where we were just previously, we were looking at Romans 13, 1 to 7, and it starts off by saying, let everyone be subject or be in submission to the governing authorities. And he goes into this whole thing about how Christians should, for the most part, 
align themselves in a place where it doesn't say blindlessly obey, but it does say we should have an attitude of being subject or submission or being not hard to govern, but being those people that are 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 with with our government. We are helping them. Uh, we are going along, and 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 we had all the what ifs and everything last episode. I'd love for you to go back and listen to that. And of course, Paul was not writing about a democracy like we have, where we get to be more engaged in the actual process and who uh, we get to pick our leaders in different ways. So, but there's still a great principle here, and it's be that kind of person. That's the way we live in society. But he ends this section by saying this: Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Okay, so that that right there leads us into verse 8. That, that's where when we get into verse 8 and he says, let no debt or what you owe people, things that you owe, <clears throat> excuse me, remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, right? So he's saying, give to everyone what you owe them. And what he, in, in essence, he's saying, and we owe people love, okay? There's, there's a sense in which the, 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 the believer is now filled with love and they are to give that love away, same way that they gave spiritual gifts. All right, now, a fascinating part of this is he says, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And then in verse 10, he comes back to that idea and he says, therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, you might be, if you've been paying attention to the whole thing, you might, you might go, wait a minute, wait just a minute that, wait, you fulfill the law? In other words, Paul, are you telling me now that there's an obligation to remain as a Christian and to remain in God's good graces that I have to do this law? that I have to fulfill it because he says you've got to, you know, he says there's the fulfillment of the law, right? Well, well, that can't possibly be what he means. He can't possibly mean that I'm trying to earn points or save myself or even to continue to maintain my own salvation by doing these certain things. And and I, I'm not just saying that because I have a theological axe to grind and it's like, oh, you have, you know, you have an agenda. I'm just saying this past, the, the, the book of Romans doesn't allow for that interpretation. Let's go back just three quick places, but I mean, we could pick more. It's, it's all, it's littered throughout the whole book, but let's go back to the fours, right? Seven, four, eight, four, ten. Four, and we could find other ones as well, but the, the verse fours of some of these chapters, uh, and you could go back to chapter six, uh, verses four on. I mean, it. there's just a lot, <laughs> but let's just start with verse chapter seven. He says, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So it can't possibly mean that I'm trying to fulfill something. Just go to 8-4. Remember this. We spent a lot of time on this. Um, 
and it's in the middle of a sentence. Let me go back to the middle of uh, verse 3, just because it's in the middle of a sentence in verse 4. It says, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So again, uh, it, it, it's, it's saying that the the righteous requirement of the law is already fulfilled. It is completely fulfilled, and it's fulfilled in us through Christ, right? And he made that very clear in the beginning of verse 3. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son. So, Again, it can't possibly mean that, oh, it's Jesus, but you know, you got to do this stuff too. Let's go to 10 verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Very clear. The law ends for everyone who believes. Now, if you don't, if you don't believe, you're still under law. But when you believe, you're not under law in that way. The law is no longer has an obligation to you to obtain or maintain a relationship with God or unobtain or maintain the promises that were given to Abraham, which ultimately are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Okay, so when he's using this, this word here, and it's fascinating, what he's actually saying here is he's saying, look at the commandments, verse 9. I'm, I'm back in chapter 13. Sorry if you're moving around a little bit in your Bible. We're back in chapter 13. And he says, the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Okay, so just think about those. And he says, those are kind of Captain Obvious if you love somebody. If you love somebody, you're not going to take their spouse and have them sexually as your own. If you love somebody, you're not going to kill them, right? I know that sounds silly, but if you love somebody, you're not going to steal from them. You're going to wish them their best. If you love somebody, you're not going to say, oh, I really want their house. I really want their boat. I really want their cabin. Uh, you're not going to do that. And then he goes on to say, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So and when Jesus was asked, uh, what exactly is the Old Testament all about? He said, well, the law can be summed up in two ways. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There it is. It's just those two things. Now, God makes it very clear what worship of God looks like and what neighbor love looks like, right? And with all of these different laws. But he says all the law and the prophets hang on these two things, right? Now, here's the deal. Is the Christian free from that? Yes and no. Okay, yes, absolutely, no obligation. And no, in the way that the Christian is now free, not under obligation, not because we have to, but because we're new in the new way of the Spirit, we get to. I get to have neighbor love. I get to have love of God. And it's the, it's the way of God, and it's not just a way that I don't want to do that. No, it's the way that my new spirit, my new soul, my regenerated heart wants to live that way. It makes a huge, huge difference. Listen to what Douglas Moo says about this. I think it's super helpful. 
he says, Paul reserves the word fulfill for Christian experience. Only Christians, as a result of the work of Christ and through the Spirit, can fulfill the law. A more likely interpretation, then, is that Paul refers here to a complete and final accomplishment of the law's demands that is possible only in the new age of eschatological accomplishment. That's a big fancy word, meaning uh, Jesus has broken into into the timeline of human history, and we are now in the days where the Spirit is reigning, and we are free to do this. Okay, go back to Douglas Moo's quote. Christians who love others have satisfied the demands of the law in total and complete, and they need therefore not worry about any other command. This means that it would be premature to to, uh, claim that love replaces the law for the Christian, as if the only commandment we ever need to worry about was the command of love. For as long as our love remains incomplete, we may very well require other commandments both to chastise and to guide us. That's a helpful, helpful thing there because a lot of people have used, well, I'm just going to love people. And so, uh, you know, it's not very loving to confront people. So I'm never going to confront someone. You know, it's not loving to have an intervention with someone who's an addict and tell them, if you don't stop, drinking, if you don't stop using heroin, you are you have to move out. That's not loving. And so therefore I'm going to, so our definition of love does not always, uh, it does not always fit in with God's definition. So it's good for us to have these other things that help us to understand what love of God and love of neighbor actually looks like, right? And yet in that, with all of that said, folks, Love your neighbor. Folks, love your kids. Love your boss. Love those people who work underneath you. Love is an amazing thing. At the end of the day, people who love me have an impact in my life that smells of the gospel and smells of the kingdom of God in a way that is incredible. So yeah, I I you know what? I'm actually going to say that I agree with Paul on this. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny here. He just says let no debt remain outstanding except the continual debt to love one another. Do you love people? This morning or evening or middle of the day, whenever you're listening to this, is there someone that comes to your mind right now? The spirit of God is putting someone in your heart, in your mind and saying they need your love. They need you to express. Maybe they just a person needs a text, text of encouragement, or a text of correction. But in a way, it says, "I'm not giving up on you. I'm treating you the way I would want to be treated." Is there someone like that? Is God pushing in you, believer, a way to show the love of God to others, even today? Let's go on to the second part of this. He does shift gears here a little bit, but I think they kind of hang together, so I made it into one podcast. And he says then, he basically is saying, listen, understand the present time. Understand where we currently are. Uh, he says, it is now time, in verse 11, for us to wake up from our slumber. Okay, so he says, that's already come. And if you've been following the book of Romans, and wow, you are, you, you are, if, if you're, if this theology and what Paul's saying about Jesus is true, you have been woken up 
uh, to a new way of thinking about life, about what it means to be a regenerate person in an unregenerate world and what it means to live as uh, lovers of people and also as separate from people who don't yet know Christ. And so there's all kinds of things going on. It's it's a beautiful, life-changing book. And if you've been there, he, he says, now, guess what? When you first believed, we're closer to the time when we will actually reach the final destination of our salvation. We'll actually see God face to face. Now, it's going to happen one of two ways, right? It's going to happen with the return of Christ, or it's going to happen upon our death. It's going to happen. And every day, we're closer to that. Now, which one's going to come first? I don't know. I I hope you weren't subscribing to this so that I would tell you the day and time, because I don't know. I have no idea. I know that when I first became a follower of Jesus, it was kind of, uh, it was in the, the 80s, 1980s, thank you very much, uh, and and it there was a lot of fever return about the return of Christ, and perhaps a little bit over the top, like people were expecting it to happen. And this kind of came from, you know, uh, the 1950s and after World War II, just seeing some atrocities in the world, they just felt like Jesus Christ is coming back, and that kind of spilled over into the 80s. If you've only been a follower of Jesus for under 20 years right now, you have not experienced that like it was um, 20 years previous. It, 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 you haven't had that yet. And in some ways, if we were overdoing it in the 80s, we're underdoing it now. <laughs> we really are. We're just not thinking about, Jesus Christ, you could come back today. And that could happen. Or we could breathe our last today. That could be our last day. And, and what Paul's saying here is, Man, do not stop thinking about the ultimate destination of what it is. He says the night, this is verse 12, the night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So, he says, let us put aside the deeds of darkness and and instead live as people of light. When, When you have that as a goal, all of a sudden now these deeds of darkness, and he lists them, carousing, drunkenness, sexual immorality, debauchery, dissension, and jealousy. Now, it's very interesting that most church people will take the first four of those and go, yeah, I don't, I'm not really, I'm not carousing out. I'm not out late. I don't spend the whole night out getting drunk. I'm not out sleeping around. I'm not being debaucherous, you know, where it's just frat party, toga, toga. I'm not doing all that. But then he ends by saying, not in dissension and jealousy. (laughs) That hits pretty close to home. Dissension? Um, I've seen dissension. I've had, I've, I was a public school teacher. I've done other things outside of uh, ministry work in my life. So I've seen dissension in, in a variety of places. The church is not immune. Is it worse? I, I don't know. I guess I've been, I've been uh, in it so long that, that I've seen a lot of it. And so I don't know that it's worse. Is it any better? I don't know about that either. The church definitely has a lot of dissension in it, and they have people that cause dissension. And always. And here's the deal about dissension, and this is frightening. In all my cases where I've worked in our church or in other churches about some major issue that is dividing the church, it is always well-meaning people that have done it. Now, I don't think that's always the case. I think there are cases where people come in and they're professional church ruiners. Uh, and I think they even kind of know it. 
they're just bitter people. They come in and they nothing is completely right and they split the church. But most of them come in with quote unquote good reasons. And they push something so hard instead of working through difficulties and conflict and, and problem solving, they don't view it that way. It's a the way that they're gonna solve this is slash and burn. I'm going to destroy. I'm going to triangulate with people instead of going to the source, like Matthew 18 talks about. I am going to work with a small group of people. I'm going to form a coalition, and we're going to destroy that pastor, or we're going to destroy that elder, or we're going to destroy that woman who uh, runs our children's ministry because she said one thing that didn't line up exactly with our theology or perhaps didn't choose our children to do certain things or, or whatever. And, and they're, they're well-meaning because they might have good principles that they hold, but the principle they don't hold is love, right? They're not loving. They're, 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 they're destructive. They're dissentient. That is part of this passage. <laughs> That's what Paul says. Don't live like that. Completely don't live like that. Live in love. Now, that doesn't mean there's not places to, for correction. Believe me, I've been in ministry now since uh, 1987, and I uh, have been corrected a lot, and I should be corrected a lot. Uh, those of you who know me know that I need a lot of correction, and that's a good thing. In fact, one of my verses that I love from the book of Proverbs is Proverbs 9.8, which says, do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. So, in other words, and I think, of course, the person who wrote this in Proverbs wasn't aware completely of the gospel at this point in time. But if you're okay in Jesus, and Jesus has covered your sin, and that I, I'm just, I, and and there are areas where either I'm not aware of it, or maybe even willingly doing things wrong, and to be corrected on that, I don't need to be self-justified. I can be wrong. I can make mistakes. I can even have willful sins that someone corrects me on. And my answer to that is, thank you. If you're wise, if you're wise in Jesus, if you're okay in Jesus, if you understand that he's the one who paid for everything, then I can say, okay. And it's hard. I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, bring it on, everybody. My email is correctsteve at hopecc.com. You don't know. But that's... That's the type of situation we live in. Leaders need to have that, but then people also need to come with a sense of humility and realizing they're sinners too, and and it needs to work. And by and large, I God has blessed our church, and by and large, that has been the way people have been, and we're very, very grateful for that. But are, are you a person who's a builder, or are you a terror downer? And then he's going to close this section with a verse that as a young believer I memorized, Romans 13, 14. Rather, instead of all that, he says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh or the sinful nature, as some versions say. So you got to think about these, there's two parts to this, right? Instead of this, instead of carousing and all this, instead of giving ourselves to this, we do something else. What do we do? We clothe ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great phrase just to meditate on and to think about. 
And then it says, and do not think about, do not dwell upon, do not make no provision, uh, right, for the flesh, for the sinful nature, right? There's the two parts. Clothe yourselves and do not think about this other one. It's just beautiful. I'm going to lean into Douglas Moo's commentary. Again, I, you, you know I'm a big fan of his. Again, I don't agree with everything anyone has written. You know what? If I were to have written a commentary seven years ago or so on the Book of Romans, I would disagree with myself on some things, as you've seen on, on this. But by and large, I think Douglas Moo is, is a phenomenal scholar, and uh, his, his large second edition, uh, which is the newest one, if you're still looking to get a good commentary, I, I can't recommend it enough. He says this. On the clothing yourselves, he says, as a result of our baptism and, and conversion, he, and he links those two. In other words, it's not, it's not the act of baptism saves you, but baptism is a symbol of your decision to trust Christ, to go into the water, uh, to be united with his death, and uh, uh, come out of the water uh, is symbolizing your union with his resurrection. As a result of that, we have been incorporated into Christ, sharing his death, burial, and his resurrection, right? Our old man, our corporate identity with Adam, has been severed, Romans 6, 6. And in its place, we have become attached to the new man, right? And this is talked about in Romans 8. It's talked about in Colossians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. It's going to be talked about in, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. Jesus Christ himself, whom we have put on, and that language is used also in Paul other places, in the book of Colossians, uh, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. But our relationship to Christ, the new man, while established at conversion, needs constantly to be reappropriated and lived out, as in Ephesians 4.24, with its call to Put on the new man. Ephesians 4 is beautiful. Like, put off the old man, put on the new man. Well, wait a minute. Didn't that already happen? Yes, it did. But the old us, the flesh, is still around. In, inside of us, we talked about this when we were in Romans 8, the inside of us has been regenerated. Maybe it was Romans 7, excuse me. Um, has been regenerated, but our flesh is still around. And so it's a constant effort to put off that old man, that old flesh, that old self, and to put on the new man, the new self, the, the regenerated self. Against this backdrop, background, Paul's exhortation to put on the Lord Jesus Christ or to clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ means that we are consciously to embrace Christ in such a way that his character is manifested in all we do and say. That's awesome. Constantly to embrace Christ in such a way that his character is manifested in all we do and say. And, and you can see this is where Paul's been going at all the time, right? In, in chapter 12, we were to be transformed by the renewing of our mind continually, right? Just beautiful. Counter to that, we are not to gratify the flesh. It says here, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh or desires of the sinful nature. This word, flesh, is, uh, in Greek, it is the word sarx. It's where we get the word sarcasm from, cutting of the flesh, right? And it, it, it just basically means it's, it's, it's the sinful nature within us. Or I think, I like Douglas Moo's, 
definition here. It's that principle or power of life in this world which tends to pull us away from the spiritual realities, the spiritual realm, the who we are in Christ. It wants to pull us away from that. Douglas Moo goes on to say, as he does, as Paul does in Galatians, verses 5, 13 to 26, Paul implies concern that his proclamation of freedom from the law might lead to a licentious lifestyle. In other words, if I'm free from the law, why don't I just go over here and do all these deeds of the flesh? I can give in to it. And Paul just says, that's not the way of life. Douglas Moo, one more sentence. He says, thus he urges his readers in place of the law to embrace Christ, who through the Spirit provides completely for victory over the flesh. So let me just close. We talked about loving, you know, and letting the love of Christ flow through you. Are you allowing the, the, the regenerated heart that you have, the one that has trusted in Christ and is new now, are you allowing that to win the day? Are you, and it, it's a, it's a, it, Paul says, do this. What is it? Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you filling yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you dwelling on him? Are you making him the hero of your story, of your life? Is, is he, is he just worthy of it all? Clothe yourselves with it. Think upon it. Dwell upon it. Listen to podcasts like you're doing right now. Read the word. Pray. Be around people and talk about him. Fill yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about and turn your heart from those those desires of the flesh. Again, not because we have to, but because you get to. Thanks so much for joining us this time on Romans Untangled. Next episode we're going to dive into a wonderful section of scripture that talks about how do we deal with differences in the church? How do we deal with the weaker or the, the, the stronger brother or sister? And how does that work as we flesh that out in our society? Thanks so much for hanging. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time on Romans Untangled.